Yes, Paul H.'s review of Man Tracing Southwest. So he, he comes into this insane asylum, and the one, he's, the one he's directed to is his therapist, or his psychiatrist, who's a doctor. You know, a doctor who's got a very sad life. Yeah, yeah I think he lost his wife and everything. And he, plays the, he plays the sax at home when he gets off of work, drinks some whiskey. And so this guy starts being questioned by the therapist guy, and he's telling the therapist he's from another world. So he's not from here. Yeah. And so the therapist goes, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And, and he's got a very, very uh, well-structured other world that yeah, he's trying to share. And the, this is all typical, whatever, you know, totally out for lunch. So they, they put him in the, in the main, like, ward with all the other, you know, inmates. And he starts, um, at, every day he goes out into the yard and he just stands there quietly with his eyes closed. He finds a little place like a couple hours, hour, two hours. Yeah, that's the title of the basic Southwest. And then the guy keeps studying him and he starts watching his behavior. So when they walk, he takes him out on a walk and the guy, the alien guy, sees someone cold and he gives him his jacket. And, then, and this guy, the doctor's taking this to be very strange behavior. You know, being nice to people and everything like that. It's very weird. And so they keep giving him pills but he doesn't eat them. Yeah? The alien, and, and then he's and all the other inmates are very attracted to him. They like his energy, and he's just starting to have a huge effect on people by really doing nothing. You know, he's just hanging out, and he goes, he keeps going there, and they keep trying to give him pills, but he keeps hiding them. Yeah, and now the guy's just getting really into writing about this dude. This is a very strange complex this man is exhibiting and stuff. And the other, the, his superiors want to start giving him heavy drugs. Yeah. And the guys say, no, 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 let's see. If we let him play it out, it may, it may break through. And then he's really being, you know, he just has natural, like, sort of, quote-unquote, Christian attitudes, you know? He wants to be helped and helping the poor, and he's taking care of all the other inmates, you know? And he's very, very smart, and he's studying, and, and he's, he's working in the labs, doing biology, studying animals with him. And um, everyone's starting to get really attracted to him, but every day he's got to go out and pick up the frequency of his home planet, yeah, so that he can have the strength to deal with this fucking crazy place. <laughs> and so finally, the doctors supersede the other therapists, and they start shooting him up, yeah? And uh, when he starts shooting up, he can't find the space. He can't locate the other planet. He can't pick up the transmission. And he starts getting run down. And the place, this place starts really affecting him. You know, all the, you know, the cruelty and all the fucking injustice. And he's just really getting run down. And he just pe- pretty much peters out, you know. They keep shooting him up every day in the ass. And he just loses all contact. And then he becomes totally uh, powerless over this place's effect. And he, he just goes down the tubes. You know, it's a very incredible story to me. It's like a, what an allegory or whatever. It, it, it presents a very profound thing, because in a way, we're, we're attempting to seek different frequencies. Yeah. We're picking up a lot of information and lots coming out in from outside, constantly uh, conditioning us to be a certain way, and to, and a very limited way, and then really taking away a lot of possibilities, and then providing the possibilities they want us to have, if you want to call it a bad. Yeah? 
And a lot of times when we follow those possibilities, they don't translate into being happy, joyous, and free. They don't really translate into satisfaction, but we can't seem to adjust and find any other new possibilities. And then with the system that seems to be dominant, the ability to entertain is co-opted because the selfing puts you as a one who's entertaining and that one is just full of conditioning and old ideas and beliefs and it severely limits our natural ability to entertain, like which was exhibited when we were kids. Yeah. We could entertain and imagine and just go off on tons of tangents, yeah, like free-ranging. And now the head, it doesn't have that range anymore. It's sort of a frequency, it's been really narrowed down, and it's only picking up a certain amount of possibilities. And in that, for some people here, living on that and that alone gets uh, not enough. It's really unbearable. And of course we're conditioned and socialized to sort of put up with the unbearability, and to call it the norm, you know, where sooner, as, we, as time goes by, there's less and less we question, really. We just fucking tolerate stuff that's really intolerable. Really, really, literally. It is intolerable how some people are traveling today. Yeah? With all that insanity up there, and everything being, being given so much meaning, and just uh, like those dogs that have a like mange or infection, they put those cones on. We're just like cones are placed around us and everything just goes from here. You know, it's almost like a receiving dish. Yeah. It, it picks it's like a satellite dish where you're just picking up I D I, you know? Walking around and you don't even stand that <laughs> even turn into like a satellite dish. <laughs> picking up a very limited cable system of fucking shows, mostly reruns, you know, constant reruns. And there's a lot, you know, there's just a, a, a really inherent deep dissatisfaction. And you can tell by all the seeking. The seeking is a really good indication that something, because sort of like when I got introduced to alcohol and drugs, I ran like a fucking rabid wolf to it. I mean, I was seeking unbelievably when I was 11, 10, 11 years old. I was, but I didn't even know it that I was seeking. But you could see that I was seeking because as soon as I found something that brought a little bit of relief, I was on it like white on rice. So there was a huge amount of seeking going on that really wasn't noticed. It was just taken to be, I guess, normal. You know? That you're always questioning and what are they thinking about me seeking approval, seeking to be okay in other people's eyes when you were totally un-okay in your little Sauron eye, you know, the, the evil eye of Middle Earth, you know, the Hobbit, Sauron, the all-seeing evil eye. <laughs> I would say that's the, the self thing. It's like that all-seeing evil, evil eye. You know what I mean? Everything would be better if people thought of me well, but there's, you don't think of you well. <laughs> That's the dilemma. You can get 800 people saying how great you are. One person says, "says uh, oh, you suck," and that and that's the convincer because that's why you believe. You don't believe in the 800 people. That doesn't. Do, that doesn't even move that mountain. It doesn't. It doesn't even move the mountain. I guess you're just precariously on a cliff of 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 a deep disapproval because that's how selfing exists. Yeah. 
If there was an approval, there would be a relaxing and a letting go. Disapproval causes agitation and thinking. That's what it, that's its nature, is, the, is thinking. It's, that's how it shows, that's how it, it takes to be a solid thing. It's like thinking so much about an idea called me as a body, it can appear to be solid here. And the way we're, we're conditioned here, we don't see the pauses and the gaps between thoughts, most of us. We don't. We don't see the big pauses between transmission, you know, the self thing, if you want to have a picture of it getting transmitted. We don't see it because we're so indoctrinated by now. The gaps, the, the incredible pause or the openness or the spaciousness of what awareness really is, is totally missed. And all we're doing is receiving more thoughts about us. And against all odds, you can have a great time. As soon as the time goes, the same old worrying about the next time won't be great just kicks in. It doesn't seem to ever be kicked out of the groove. It just keeps regrooving. And the, the, the hope is that, well, if I would learn, then I would be... No, fucking way. This thing can't be convinced. Its, it's system is to be convinced and unconvinced. It just goes from both. It flip-flops. There's no flip without a flop, yeah? It's just... Windshield wipers don't go once, yeah? They go... That's, that promotes the scene. Well, that's our sort of way of looking, yeah? The windshield we're looking through has wipers going. Yes, no, high, low, good, bad, this, that, yes? And we think this is looking, and this is the highway of life, and this is how we look. I'm looking... But you don't see this as like, what the fuck is this? Yes, no, good, bad, I love, love, age. Oh, it's fucking crazy. I feel good today. I don't feel good. It's five minutes later. Yeah. But the vision is there. Everything is in place, but there's just this little format. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I have a real sense of what it was like when I was a kid. I don't have thoughts about it. I don't remember it much at all. But I have a sense of how it was like to travel back then. And it's a lot like how it is now. You know. It's very much like it. There's a little bit of a... There's just an ease and comfort as if, like in recovery, they talk about the promises. But if you ever read the promises, it's sort of like states you have already been in. They say you will lose the fear of economic insecurity in people. Well, when I was a kid, I had no fear of people at all. And I wasn't worried about economic insecurity. You know what I mean? My mother and father could have been poor, but in that context, I wouldn't know what poor was when I was growing up. It's only when I could compare it to others to see that, oh, we were sorely lacking when I was growing up. But I didn't have that sense at all when I was growing up. At all. Not, not even close. Yeah. So, the whole, the whole idea is that that sense of freedom wasn't even noted because it was just so. Yeah? There was no you that could entertain that it could be different. Yeah? I wasn't thinking, you know, I wasn't having gratitude because there was nothing to have gratitude about. It was just a living and it seemed to be a very grateful way of living when I was first a little kid. You know? Then, of course, mine started to occur. Yes, and want, I want that, that's mine. You have a habit. They run into it around, I guess, three years old or something. They learn the word my. My! My toy, yeah? And they're really into possessing and taking over now. It's a selfing, you know? It's selfing getting hatched. 
doing its little groove, setting up the grooves, and then somehow it becomes the dominant thing. Yeah. Now imagination is, you can't be daydreaming in school. You're going to be doing your fucking math. Okay. You can't be a math. No, don't imagine anything. That's not going to serve you when you go, when you're an adult. Fuck the imagination. Study, learn, science. Jesus Christ. Crazy. So, for me, in this way, every a lot of us in this room have a way of life. You know, a lot of us. I was speaking about it the other day. That way of life is a perfect way for our peculiar conditioning as as the apparatus. Yes, having alcoholism, which is just an extreme subdivision of self-centeredness. Everyone has that helmet placed on them, but we have a. Maybe a little more fireworks on the visor, you know. <laughs> more, more reflective ability on us. We're extremely obsessed so, yeah. Extremely, extremely obsessed. Yeah. But we found a way to live, uh, like, which deals with the functioning of the manifestation, yeah. This is manifesting, and there's a function here, functioning, yeah. And most of our functioning wasn't working, yeah. It really wasn't. It was destroying the health of the body, the mind was fucked out, circumstances were really going down the tubes, everything like that. We found AA, and AA sets up a way of life for us that we can sort of live, like instead of, for me, the only way I was going to have a quote-unquote manageable life was to be institutionalized out there. That's the only time I actually worked for me. Two years in Delancey Street, in my adult life. Most of my adult life, I could not. I was like totally uncivilized. I was I like a rabid dog, just chasing one bone, which was drugs. Yeah. So Delancey Street gave me an example, which was awesome. That the example of the whole process of recovery, which is, I had to admit when I left there that my life looked better with them running it than it ever did with me running it. It was a real sobering moment. I really saw that life was unmanageable because I was managing it. Wow, that was trippy. I hadn't seen that the I was in me, so selfing was managing it. I hadn't seen that yet, but I said, I'm managing it. And that's why it's unmanageable. Which just changed the whole thing of blaming others for my demise, because my demise was based on all the, all the uh, reactions I was taking. Or if they'd say decisions. I don't believe it's decisions, really. I believe that the brain, like the computer, looks at options based on its conditional frame and picks the one that thinks thinks will work based on what its drive is to get. Now, you may not know what its drive is to get because it's been sort of distorted. So you may, like for me, when I did, you have that inventory process, when I did my sexual inventory, I was looking at how I harm people in the pursuit of sex, I realized that most of my behavior around sex wasn't about getting sex. It was about getting self-esteem. I needed approval. And to me, a woman's approval was very important. Yeah? So if a beautiful woman would sleep with me and let me have go into her body, then I must be okay. No matter, about, no matter how much evidence the last week had about I was totally un-okay, at that moment I get a little reprieve and I felt okay, and I was addicted to that, yeah. because all the while it never lasted. See, it always had to be another one and another one and another one 
because the, it was a temporary solution to a very chronic condition. And if you notice selfing, the main the movement of selfing is the claim. Yeah. It's one of its main movements, it's claiming, yeah. And therefore, once it claims something, let's say like life, it believes that it's the manager of it. Yeah. It's it's on now going to sort of sort of like, all right, I claim this business is mine, I'm now gonna run it. It doesn't usually say I'm gonna become the janitor of it, it's I'm gonna run it, yeah. So therefore, it has this view that it's you, and this is your life, and therefore it's very skewered, very small spectrum, limited possibility view of things now becomes the dominant view of the manifestation. When that's in place, the functioning sucks, and so you're living life in an unmanageable state, yet you keep relying on the problem to solve it. Yeah. So, right now I'd say most of us are just the effects of our own solutions. That's what we're playing out. <laughs> All of our solutions to how we saw life, we're, at, we're just come getting over the effects of those. Some people, it takes a long time to get over the effects. Some people never get over them. Their head gets like, you know, they become wet drunks or something. There's no relief now. Your brain is incapable of picking up any other transmission. It's wet, you know. So, for me, when I got into AA, this secondary message, based on the first one, which allowed the functioning to get to become manageable, so that I really believe, if you want to look at it as a form of manifestation, which means it would play out in time, yeah? that that was, in this experience right now, that was dominant. I needed, the, I needed the function to be taking place. I haven't met many active junkies who are awake or entertain their awakeness. I just don't see it. Yeah? They don't usually just take a needle out and that's it, and yet continue to put needles in their arms. There's a, something usually occurs in the manifestation. Yeah? So for me, it went that the manifestation first, the functioning started getting taken care of by the AA way of life. Yeah? And so my mind got disengaged or the, the, because I wasn't in the sense of managing or the selfing wasn't the manager anymore, a concept in my mind called the higher power was now what I was believing to be my employer. It weakened the hold on the antenna. Yes? And then the antenna started to rotate and pick up other ideas. So I was outside AA and I heard this idea about there is no self. I was at that point believing there was a self, but you could sort of see it and learn about it and then give it up by surrender to a higher power, which is a form. They would call that bhakti yoga, devotional yoga. Surrendering your life to the higher power, to the idea of God, or whatever is Jesus, like that. Yeah. But in this case, what I saw, that wasn't sufficient. The selfing was thriving, even in that dish. Because it's amazing, because whatever it comes in contact with, it takes advantage of. That's a movement of it, yeah? So now it was, in, now it was a recovered person, <laughs> which was just as slimy as the unrecovered person, in a lot of ways. Yeah? And in a lot of sense, there was still a strong unbearability, 
but my, the surface looked somewhat okay. You know, I wasn't getting arrested every week. And so a lot of my sense of relief was based on what wasn't happening to me, not what I was sensing all the day. It wasn't the presence, it was more absence of shit. Like, I'm not in jail, I'm not, you know, strung out, I'm not this, I'm not that. And that had a pretty strong motive, momentum, yeah? Hey, shit, this is really good, there's a lot of shit absent in my life that was driving me crazy. But like an old priest in AA said, after a period of time, the flames of hell aren't so hot anymore. Because you've moved out of that, yeah? So the absence of things, yeah, that's okay, but now there's got to be the next leap in the sense, well, what's the presence of no thing? So the absence of things brought a lot of relief, but the presence of no thing is really the clincher in my view, my humble view. Yeah. First, though, it seemed though I needed the absence of no thingness yeah, in the storyline. I used to say, no, there's no one. This but I'm getting softer in my old age because, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm at this point, you can take a look at it this way. Absolute, my fundamental is there is no anything happening, but what the fuck? Here's the story, yeah? So here it goes. This area got a little bit chilled out, yes? So I was enjoying the absence of a lot of things. A lot of drama wasn't happening, a lot of arrests, court dates, uh, you know, cars are being driven with no registration and insurance and licenses, and all like that stuff. But now, then, then when that got sort of cool, I got introduced happens to this idea. And then what occurred is, the next thing, the, the, absence, the presence of no, of, of no thing, yeah? which is really the, really, the presence of no thing becomes dominant when it's seen that you are absent as a thing. What you are is not a thing. Yeah? When that starts to be held, then the absence of no thing is to me it. That's the presence. Yeah? The presence. That's like the, like it says in recovery that you will now sense the conscious presence. That's what it's like. Yeah? That conscious presence. And the beautiful thing is, is the presence is a pretty good word for it because it's never not here. Yeah? So anytime you're present, it's present. And it's not an it. But presence is all the time your presence. There's an, there can be an awareness of presence. Yeah? Because it's not, it's always, because it's never, it's not here. It's not of time, so it's always here. Yeah? It's not of time, so it's always here. So, first there's the relief of, of or it and appears to be absence of things, is a large amount of relief. Then it's the presence of no thing, and then the true, like, uh, let's say clincher, is the absence of view as a thing. Yeah? Yeah? You know how much relief there is from certain absences of certain things? You cannot believe the relief when the absence of you as a thing is a thing. I mean, you think things bother you. I mean, this thing is bothering you the most. This is the motherfucker of them all. <laughs> no, when this thing is absent as you, it's not absent because you can see it. Yeah? It's here. There's a presence. Yeah? You may, it's manifested. Yeah? But it's absent as you. Yeah? Yeah. When it's absent as you, that's the presence. There's no difference. 
There's no difference in traveling. The traveling or the sense of presence is the absence of a you. Yeah? Now, the relief isn't based on the absence of things, it's really based on the absence of a thing as you. Yeah? Because things will come and go. But this seems to be the stationary fixed reference of the story. Yes? Being a body. So if there's a deep, unsettling dissatisfaction, no matter how many, how, how great the story gets, or how bad it gets, of just having a story, let's say, this is the author, this is the reader, this is the liver of all stories. So if you want relief from that, why not see you're not this? Yeah? Instead of trying to change the stories or get to the bottom of the stories, because whatever bottom you get of, of, of the story, it will lead to another story and another story. Do you think you have truly historical problems? They're made up with a sense of being historical. You can get through all your family of origin here, and then you will have to go through therapy for your family of origin from Mars. Because now you see yourself as, a, as an intergalactic traveler. And I've lived in many planets, and I've been fucked over in many families of origin. <laughs> It'll just go on and on and on. He makes it up. Yeah. So, when I started to entertain, because I had reached that point where the absence of things wasn't enough yet. Yeah. I had gratitude for it. I'm really happy I'm not arrested today. But, in a way, it's ch- the, he- the flames of hell have chilled out. I'm not getting arrested every day. I've been pulled over by cops, and I haven't gone away. Given <laughs> my license registration. And they said, have a good day, Mr. Edelman. And I said, have very rarely today to see that. They said, you're having the day with me, Mr. Edelman. Come on in. <laughs> so I'm really grateful for all that as a little action figure. But the real, the real, it was like the old preset too. Most people's experience in this program is a moving away from hell, not a moving towards heaven. So for me, Moving away from hell can be very, very uh, motivating, but it's going to lose. You can't have a fear-based life. Even if it's brought you relief for a while, to have that as a basis of living, fear as the basic, that's, it's not going to be healthy after a period of time. It has its, it has its purpose and usefulness, maybe, at a, for a short period. It can't be a basic, uh, oh, I'm afraid... I'll be arrested, you know, 25 years later after you have, you know, it's just it's time to turn towards heaven, so to speak, yeah? Now, a lot of people have turned towards heaven, but they've had, they've t- turned towards heaven as an idea of still being a self. That ain't heaven. <laughs> you, it's like that thing, I haven't done this in a while, maybe some of you never heard it. So here's, got, uh, this is my old favorite, just came in. So here's God, here's heaven's door, yeah? And then, so here's Paul, so Paul goes to heaven's door. And I got my bag, so I'm, I'm expecting to go in. I'm doing really good. I've helped a lot of people. I have tons of testimonials. So God opens the door, and I go, hey, God, can I come in? And I'm just doing it as a formality. I'm expecting we're all right in. And he looks at me and goes, Paul can't come in. I'm really, first of all, pretty disappointed, you know. And then I get pissed. Fuck, who is he? Fuck him. 
Oh, God. <laughs> he can't see a good thing when he's looking around the face. So I walk away, and then, uh, so I get up, I say, i got to practice even more. So now I get, I wear my whites, you know, my patchouli oil, and my chains, and, you know, I've got that loving gaze down. I can't see, I still can't seem to do it, but let's see. Who's actually keeping themselves out of the, the, uh, 
this idea of heaven. Who? Is heaven? Is heaven a gated community with big barbed wire? You have that when you get to the gate, you have to have one of those little cards. Hey, who are you? Who are you visiting? St. John? Michael? No. Gabriel? Is he in there? Hey, no, you're not meant to be here. No, it's nothing like that at all. Yes. But the persistence of selfing is that it presents you as a you. Yeah? It presents, there is no you, so it presents a, a you. Yeah? A you. And then there's the belief that it's you. Yeah? And the A drops off, and there it is. As immediately, the mind, which is open and has an ability to receive and entertain, gets formatted into only being able to entertain a sense of well-being or okayness in time. Like, I will be okay. It can't have the immediacy of the solution because the solution is timeless and it wants to keep applying the solution as time. I will be okay. No, okayness is a sense. Okayness. No, I will be okay. See, okayness, the interpretation is no, I will be okay. And okay, so alright, as soon as it, I will be okay, then who plays a big factor in that okayness coming to pass? You do, yes? Or another you called your girlfriend or your boss or your doctor or your this and that. There's going to be a you involved in it. There's going to be a you involved in promoting itself to the point of being okay, yes? That's playing God, isn't it? Taking a timeless solution and injecting it with time so that it can appear to be a solution to who? You! Instead of having the disappearance of that you, and that's the solution, it wants to take the solution so it appears to be one to you, which means the absence of the solution. But when the you is disappeared, that's the solution. It's timeless. It's always available at all times. Because it's not of time. And it's not of in a location. You can't lose it. You can't find it. It's not locatable. Yeah. The access point is all the time. There's no need for a password or a network key. It's an open gate. It's, an, it's a gateless gate, an open secret. Yeah. Once that starts being entertained, you'll see how much energy your mind has on considerations and requirements and you'll see who's playing God. You'll see it. You'll see what's keeping you from what you really want. It ain't life. No fucking way. It's, it's you. The mind in you. The mind's always setting up hurdles or tests or requirements with the point of something failing. So what happens? If you, the first attempt doesn't work, you, re- you keep trying on the same formatted approach and it won't work, won't work again. And it won't work again. You can see things aren't working because now they're called turbocharged extreme Buddhism. Forget about Buddhism. Come to the presentation of extreme Buddhism. It's like a fucking you know, exercise class. <laughs> turbocharged Buddhism. You know? They have to see the fundamental of the lack of the solution promotes the revising and the reformatting of the, of the processes and the paths, yeah? No 
solution here is going to work for you. If it's worth its salt, it's, a, it's the disappearance of the you. That's the solution. No solution is going to cause the disappearance of the you. Something that isn't so can't actually disappear. It's an appearance. It's an activity. Yes? It's like why I like Zen Bitchlap. Because I totally believe that it's a verb, so it can be startled into submission. So what happens? Is that the solution? No. What's noted, when you stop, that's the solution. When selfing, when you stop, something continues. Yeah? It didn't just start when you stopped, and it doesn't stop when you start. It's always so, but your attention gets free from the idea of being you, and it become, can be aware of that emptiness, that no-thingness, that pause, that space, yes? It's like seeing, finally seeing into no-thing, and the no-thing plays a role of a mirror, and your face is reflected in it. You sense, that's what I am. It's not pictured as a thing. The mind gets reformatted. It starts being able to recognize verbs and no-thing like you would call recognizing a thing. I got it. But it's not an it you get, yeah? But it's the same sense. So your your vision gets reformatted and seeing instead of seeing everything as things, you know, words, concepts, this and that, you sense nothingness. It's almost like seeing it like an object, but there's no object to see. But it's the same feeling in a way. Yeah. There's a knowing, like it's like here you look at the chair. That seems to be obvious, yeah. I see a chair. The same, the same sense happens with no-thingness after a while. You sense it. When you see things, you sense the no-thingness of it. Yeah? It's like a flavor is distributed in it. So like you sense the space of this room. You sense it like a thing. You sense it. You feel it. You know? It becomes a big, big influence in how you're traveling. And then you see that when that becomes an influence... It's amazing that the light starts traveling lighter with that influence. Turn on to something. Is our ability to recognize a solution been so freaking distorted we can't do it anymore? Is we can't see when something just works? <laughs> we can't notice that. Jeez. Hey, that works. <laughs> is it that real? Are we that? Is there so much? Mental content between... Remember when you were a kid, something made you happy? Happiness just broke over you. Now it's like, should I be happy? Yeah, you're like, you're like so frozen up. We don't even... Everything gets... Everything gets like poured over with the tentacles of self. And, what is this? And then, well, oh, I, I think it's happiness. It's gone. It was, it was infused in the moment. And it gets... Oh, what, what is... Should I... What did I do today to, to uh, deserve this? I don't deserve happiness. I don't This is my story and I'm sticking to it. I'm not happy today. Everything comes up tentacles. Ah, uh, you see, nothing, nothing can surprise me anymore. I'm right. <laughs> sure I don't deserve anything. I'm fucking positive of it. God, please help me. <laughs> you just pray to your God. You affirm your total devotion. Now you go, God, help me. Give me a fucking break. 
It's all a trick. You use that to give yourself some kind of feeling. Well, I'm really trying. <laughs> I'd really like to get out of this. You know, wait, wait. I'd really like, ooh, I'd really like to get out of this. <laughs> Let's say there's aspects of mind that have agendas that you may not be aware of. When you are suffering, some part of your mind may be enjoying the hell out of it. And it seems like, why is being all-powerful, how could anything override me? You are just a figment of a story. Mind is just riffing. And if the mind wants to be right from based from some hole of conditioning that its mentality has a groove of, it's going to override all your creative <laughs> little cries of, I want it to be different or better. You've got no juice. You're like a voice box. You're like a little narration. Like a little narration, and it doesn't usually even fit the consequences of the facts in your life. It's just so, here's the narration, and then life is just going like this. And it's so far off. You're not even close to the mark anymore, the story about you. It's just a voice box. It's just like a little... You know, I used to sell, I worked in a porno shop, you know, when I was young. I Grove, Florida, called the Pink Pussycat Boutique. They had three stores, Fort Lauderdale, New York, West Village, and um, Miami. I had Coconut Grove. So I used to sell all this stuff there, double downers. And I bet you no other teachers are speaking of them, double downers. Because I'm not a teacher, I'm an advisor. Don't you forget that. <laughs> double downers and all this stuff. And I used to sell these dolls, blow up dolls. And I was Catholic kid, you know, I was only 18, 19 when I was working in this place. A lot of conditioning from my Irish grandmother. <laughs> I was getting totally irritated in this job position. But they had these dolls you blow up, and they'd have, like, red hair, black, and blonde. So obviously signifying women, you know. And people would buy them, and then your mind would wonder, where are they going to, what are they going to do with these dolls? And they'd always say, we're having a bachelor party, but come on, you know. <laughs> You're going to go home and... <laughs> so I, you know, and I used to talk to the boss about it, you know, I have a little hard time selling these things. Everything else, I'm all right. This is a little too much. But then they came with a newer version, and they had a voice box on it. And you'd pull a string with a little, with a little circle, and it would say... I'm a real girl. I'm a real girl. I love you. I love you. I had about six different senses, and I just couldn't sell those. And I hit my, I hit my limit. I could not see having a relationship with a doll and pulling it. What, what, what did you say to you? I love you. I was like going, this is mine, man. This is mine. In a very small box, you know, and very neurotic. It needs to be let out, you know, like a big dog in a small apartment. And it's not really happy. Mine's pretty big. <laughs> in a claustrophobic space, it starts getting perverse and around. It just does. It's leaking out, you know, it has to sort of. But that's sort of what it's like, you know, in a way. We're listening to this little voice box, situations remind our memory of something, and so the voice box pulls the same old tape. Oh, this guy because it reminds you of Uncle Fred when he did something to you. Yes, it's just, we're so conditionally wrote. Yeah. I mean, every one of our reactions could probably be tabulated. If anyone took the time to 
and they just followed it back. They could find all the wiring and all the seeming choices you ever made happened way before you thought you made them in the brain. They say it starts off seven seconds before your head goes, oh, I just made a choice. The brain already made the choice. And could you call it a choice, or is it the brain just looking at options based on its conditioning? And there's a pre-formatted conditioning that comes with identification self. Very, very. The conditioning is time is real. Things are real. Yes? This world is solid. This world is real. Yes? You have a strong possibility of never getting what you need or want. You have a strong possibility of everything you want to be taken away from you. You're going to have a little bit of edge of anxiety at all times coming from an idea of being a self because the self is vulnerable. It's in a position of needing things and it may not get what it needs. So this gives the mind an opportunity to do what? Think about it. That's selfing. So it kind of outpictures you somewhere else. Let's say next week. Let's say your apartment is in, in the thing of being sold and no one's called you up yet. So next week you're thinking, no one will call me up for the next week. And that will mean, fuck, I'm never going to sell this fucking place. How can I afford this? And now the mind's just going to do its thing and think about that. And there's thousands of combinations it can go to. It can place you anywhere it wants, at some other place, at some other time, and think about it. And you're not going to be able to leave that theater because you identify with what it's presenting. You believe you're the one that that activity is going to happen to. And it fucking scares the bejesus out of you. And it sets off a trigger in the body that is of fear. Yes. If somebody lives in a lot of fear, no matter how far down it's going to be, it's going to be seeking like crazy. Either to kiss up with a person they believe is causing the fear. Or doing a lot of things. Your behavior will be so modified by that incessant fear. <coughs> slavery, you know. It's a very incredible strain of slavery. Slavery slavery to a mental idea combined with a physical feeling. And you could actually feel the oddness of spirit and call it you. Or call it you as a body instead of recognizing it, it's you as no thing. So the solution is right where the seeming problem is existing. The sense of being on, I would say, represents awareness, yes. That awareness, which is allowing you to have the sense of being on, is what we are. And the awareness is of no things. Therefore, needs and wants of awareness are dismissed. No things doesn't have needs and wants. It's nothing to have a need, and it's nothing to have a want. Yes? It's a whole different realm. Maybe you could possibly pick up some of its transmission. It's broadcasting everywhere at all time. Free, free radio. <laughs> no commercial. <laughs> Just open space. Maybe, maybe. If you're not that, if you're not the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, the antenna will start swiveling again. Pick up other ideas. More downloads. I have, it feels like to me, downloads, yeah? I'm just living, and then, because I have the seat assignment, downloads occur, and I start. They're not thought about, they come.
come in, I can feel it as an energy, then it gets sort of digested somewhere else, not by the thinking process, yeah, not by the selfing. And then they get regurgitated over time, maybe the next three days, two days, like this last one was like two days, three days. And then they come out, you know, I can, they come out and usually I get to share with people. Yeah? It's really, now, that never happened before. Maybe it happened when I was a kid, but from a period from like, let's say, nine on, till I got sober, that wasn't happening. Yeah. I was only picking up one station, Cape Hall. And in that station, false evidence appears real. If there's a reaction to something as if it's real and it's unreal, that's the biggest dilemma. That you're reacting to unreal things as real. That's, in a sense, you're lost even before the activity occurs. Because you're reacting to false evidence. As if, as if it's real. I mean, fuck it. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. I mean, you can't see. Where is he going to go from there? Yes? If you're reacting to false evidence as if it's real. And the, force, the first false evidence is when you react to evidence, it's you that's reacting to it, right? That's the first false evidence that's appearing real. Everything else can be debated and this and that, but it's never shown on to that. That false evidence gets to appear real as long as you're engaged in the selfing. The false evidence of you as being an long-lasting independent separate entity. From that basis, everything is going to appear to be false or true to you. And that you is false. Don't you think it would produce some kind of irritability, restlessness, and discontent? Don't you think there would be certain, something that would be lacking and there would be a sense of it? Don't you think there would be a remembrance of something that can't seem to be put a finger on anymore? Something that isn't lost but seems to be lost? Don't you believe these are ways the mind is attempting to sort of stretch outside the system? It senses its own presence and it's only there's something lacking here. Yeah? But even that movement gets claimed and now it's you looking for the truth and that fucking keeps you in the same system. Yes? Even the hopes of getting out of the system is a form of being in the system when it's you that goes ahead and tries to get out. Self can't get out of self. It's an incredible system. It, 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 it doubles back on itself. It's, it's, it's identification as, yeah? It's different than other systems where they're broadcasting news and opinions and ideas, but they're not broadcasting or producing a sense of being a you hearing it, yeah? This system, there's a feeling that it's you hearing the system. That's its first broadcast. If you start from the second broadcast on, you can have all the knowledge you want about that, but in recovery they call it self-knowledge. Self-knowledge avails you nothing. Why is that? Because the first bit of information hasn't been seen, which sets everything. Yeah? If the first false evidence is you, isn't that the feeling you have when something happens? It's happening to you, isn't it? 
And what's it like when you have a feeling that something's just happening? Isn't it a lot freer feeling? The happening is in both cases. One case is happening to you. It can have a huge spectrum of all conditional reactions. They're all conditional based on the story of you reacting to that. And when it's happening, that stuff doesn't get engaged. You just see it as happening. Because the you is the engagement. The you is the catalyst. The you is what ignites all the selfing, is the idea of you. So either you get a sense of life is happening, or life is happening to you. One is an interpretation. Another one could it's still an interpretation because it's a manifestation here. But it's a much, I would say, a, a, it fits you much better than the other interpretation. The other interpretation is like a bondage. It's like slavery. Yeah? Life's happening or life's happening to me? So when life's happening... It's true and false, but in a deeper sense, you see all evidence as false. Because all evidence is inherently empty, in a way. It doesn't mean it's not joy-producing, because it's mine. Yeah. But it's inherently empty, so you don't give what you dreamt the power to affect you anymore. Yeah. Of course, it affects this, but this isn't you. You can never show me the effect on you of anything that ever happened to you. You can never show me that. The effect of this, definitely. The effect of your mental conditioning and your emotional body, definitely. But what I am has never been affected by anything that ever came to pass you. Never. The one rip has never be, appeared to be a scar on that. Because there's no that to appear on. Yeah. It's truly like nothing ever happened. Losing my uh, thing. There's another meeting around the way. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I get like a little smorgasbord. Let's go to the other meeting. I think the other meeting talks about meditating. Let's go over there. I can't handle this not doing thing anymore. <laughs> the doing is on the way of life. Do the way of life. Do the way of life. To do something doesn't mean there's a doer in it. Do the way of life. The way of life will ensure you like a spacious platform, and then whatever wants to be entertained, entertained. Yeah. But when that functioning is encroaching on you, you'll probably be too busy trying to survive and do this and do that to sort of look up vertically. You know? You're too busy. All your attention is being drawn by all the horizontalness. Yeah. Any questions today? Very good. Thank you.